Hello, everyone, and welcome. You're listening to the Staking Rewards podcast, where we provide actionable insights from thought leaders of the staking industry to analysts and professionals. Today, we're thrilled to have Ilya Polosukin with us, co-founder of Near Protocol. Ilya has an extensive background in machine learning and engineering and is a well-respected figure in the tech industry, having worked three years at Google on natural language processing and question-answering capabilities before starting to work on Near in 2017. In this episode, we'll take a deeper look into Near staking, its role in the ecosystem, reward rates and where they come from, how and where to stake Near, validators and their role in securing and developing the ecosystem, as well as future developments around staking. So without further ado, let's dive right in. Welcome, Ilya. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you for inviting me, Marian. So uh, can you briefly explain to our audience again what Near Protocol is? So at the core, Near Protocol is trying to solve a how do we bring Web3 to the mainstream adoption, right? And kind of the thesis is that there's three pillars that needs to be solved, right? One is that it needs to be easy to use. So it should be simple for normal users to use. It also should be simple for developers to build on. The second one, it needs to be secure, right? So it needs to provide kind of as much security as possible while being simple to use. And finally, it needs to be scalable. It needs to be able to handle ever-growing user base. And that's actually where things get interesting because, you know, as you can imagine, as more and more adoption happening, more and more network attacks, you actually need to be able to scale the kind of the block size, the number of transactions, the amount of state that the blockchain can handle. And so we do kind of work across these three uh, pillars. The, on the simple to use, we have built a very different account model. We call it flexible account model that has kind of a lot of the concept that people now talk about account abstraction. We've built that and kind of been running with that. We have uh, accounts are actually named. So my account is ilia.near. They have different keys. keys they have different permissions. You can hide the keys from the user and kind of think more of them conceptually as devices or recovery, like other multi-sig holders. We are using WebAssembly, which allows kind of a wide variety of programming languages to be used, to be built on Near. It also means that you can actually build some very complex applications and take existing code. And so one of the really interesting applications on Near is actually Aurora, which is an EVM. So the Ethereum virtual machine that got compiled and run as a smart contract on Near. You can run other blockchains as smart contracts on Near. That kind of showcases the power and simplicity to development on Near. Yeah. Yeah, I think from from the way it looks to me, it's like that uh, Near Protocol has done the most emphasis or put the most emphasis on user experience, especially for normal users. And I would say this is the biggest differentiator that I that I see with with Near pushing into the market. And uh, since its mainnet launch in late 2020, the Near ecosystem has become one of the top layer one blockchains in Web3. Near currently ranks place 11 for staking market cap, according to staking rewards, that's uh, with a whopping 1.1 billion US dollar in stake market cap. So what role does staking play in the overall near ecosystem? So staking, I mean, is a corner role to pretty much provide the economic security of the network, right? And so it is a proof of stake network and uh, all the nodes in the network need to have stake, either their own or delegated. And through that, pretty much, uh, kind of that creates the economic security. And the interesting thing about Near, right, 
is that because we are sharded network, as more capacity is needed, right? As more kind of you know users are using the network, the idea that you can continue expanding number of shards. When you expand number of shards, you actually need more validators, more computers, like independent computers that are participating in the consensus. And so there is a very natural kind of scale to you know number of participants in validation that's happening and kind of amount of stake that needs to be attracted for that to work. And so the kind of it's a core core role is as well for for scalability because the validators are the ones who kind of adding extra compute capacity to the network. So the whole question about how large the validator set should be for uh, the protocol doesn't even ask itself for near because with each new shard, uh, the, the set of validators expands naturally. Correct. I've seen this, I've seen this discussion also with, uh, some of, uh, yeah, the persons we, we met at our staking summit that actually a lot of the validators right now for different blockchains, they're not running profitable. And the reason for that is the too large, uh, set size of validators. And we've seen some of the, yeah, security layers. Uh, scaling back on on validator set size, so this is very interesting to see that it's already built in near to to have this n yeah normal type of growth. That comes exactly, profitability. Like you, you need to pay for what you use, right? You cannot like overpay, and so this is naturally like as more users come, that means more near is being burned for for the usage. That means there's more for rewards as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, you already alluded now to the to the burn mechanism, so. Uh, I've seen in one of your older tasks, I, th I think it's three, it was three years ago, uploaded three years ago on YouTube, where you, uh, one in one of your whiteboard series where you state that basically uh, to have token issuance as the source for uh, staking rewards is not that big of a problem because you punish through inflation, you only punish those that want to use or that hold the token for speculative purposes. All others would put them, put the, their assets to work uh, either way. And so let's, let's take that one as a question, but it also ties into uh, that you are burning your additional transaction fees, which increases the, the amount of reward rates that stakers and uh, delegators, but also the validators, of course, get even above those 5%. So why did you chose this type of burn mechanism and uh, source for your rewards? Sure, yeah. So I think there's kind of few parts here, right? So I think your first question is generally interesting, which is when you're receiving a reward, uh, and this is actually comes from inflation, is that even you're receiving a reward or you're just punishing everyone who is not staking, right? And there's an interesting, now is like liquid staking, for example, concept, you actually can participate in DeFi without holding underlying assets, without, still while staking the underlying asset. And so I think like we still don't see that, you know, 100%, like everybody's just in the, in the liquid staking assets because there's obviously like extra risks that come with that. But like, I do think that's an interesting discussion. And, and actually originally when we were designing, we did consider doing the demerge mode where instead of inflating, the validators and stakers would stay the same and everybody else would trade. That that has a lot of uh, unintended consequences, but from from economics perspective, it's actually exactly the same, right? Because like everybody has exactly the same percentage of the total supply uh, over time. Now, uh, at, 
burn mechanism and in general the, the kind of economics. So near has two specific mechanisms for near to kind of be in a way consumed for usage and then that indirectly pays for the validators, right? So uh, one is transaction fees. So when you send a transaction, the 70% gets burned. 30% actually gets allocated to the contracts that were used in this call. And so that's used for like developer incentives or whatever other mechanisms that developers want to build around. So the idea there is that we wanted to guarantee the rewards for the validators, but there's no point of paying them more from transaction fees. And so the, the way it works pretty much, we burn everything that is, comes in transactions and we mint a very specific amount for validators because the uh, kind of the incremental cost that they do for transactions is very minimal and they are rewarded already through like every epoch through the validator rewards. And so uh, this actually balances out from the, again, from the, from the way this is, uh, this is built. The other part is actually, which usually people don't look at, is near is also needed for st for storing data on protocol. And so when you are like, let's say if you want to store hundred kilobytes of data, let's say smart contract or, you know, list of that uh, list of addresses and how much they have of the token, the one near needs to be stored on that contract. And so if you do release data, like you delete it, you can get this near back. That's kind of storage staking, but. Again, economically, this means while that near is kind of, while this data is stored, that near is sitting there, it's not being staked. And because it's not being staked, the percentage of inflation that it's not being staked is allocated to all the validators. And so again, economically, this is how the storage is paid for, because this kind of like opportunity cost of not staking this near is then distributed among validators to store this data. And so that kind of creates like this two, two parts of the economics, right? Transaction fees are being burned and kind and this storage staking, locking a bunch of near for storage. And then kind of the in, inflation in a way is incentivizing validators for, for running the. And so th those three things then balance out each other. And again, like at some point, yes, the transaction fees can actually burn in more near than validators are allocated. And it's actually fine because again, validators are paid for the work they're doing uh, in kind of appropriate amount. Mm. During the design phase for Nier, you had the, the whiteboard series where you would interview other developer teams of other uh, blockchain uh, ecosystems. What were the inspirations for this type of, yeah, the whole setup around staking rewards? Because to me, it sounds very unique. I guess there's no other uh, blockchain out there that has a similar design. Yeah, I mean, so we talked with everyone, right? And like, I, I'll, you know, definitely appreciate the input that, you know, Zaki from Cosmos, I mean, Vitalik, obviously, and a lot of other folks have given uh, and kind of understanding how they think about it. I think for us, it's, it's always been like, understand what people are doing, but then also challenge that kind of why is it done this way? And because a lot of kind of, a lot of designs, Uh, are there because of, you know, some historic reasons, not because they were built bottom. I think, I mean, definitely a lot of inspiration from Vitalik actually had a paper back in 18 or maybe where they were analyzing different economics of, uh, 
storage. So they had rent and kind of a few other parameters. And so we've played around with some of that and then ended up doing something else because like we actually implemented rent and see, saw how hard to use it would be uh, because like when your balance of an account starts to decrease because of the rent, everybody's freaking out. But, but generally like that was obviously a lot of kind of good thinking through that came from the research community that we've participated and, and uh, kind of reworked for, for what we believe is the right approach to do here. Mm -hmm. And uh, for our audience, uh, the current reward rate for stakers, as can be seen on stakerrewards.com is about 9.5%, uh, in return per year. And, uh, other data points which I pulled from the Staking Rewards API, which are interesting, is that the staking ratio of NIR has steadily increased over the past 12 months and is now sitting at about 43.8% uh, of all tokens being staked. So you can see a nice adoption curve there. Also, the, the user growth in staking has been significant. The unique staking wallets have also steadily increased and are currently sitting at about uh, 95,000 unique staking wallets. If you want to check out the data, go to stakingrewards.com. And if you are interested in the API that is also giving you additional data, please uh, reach out to our sales team. Can you speak to the current state of staking on the near network and how it has evolved since the protocol launch? For sure, yeah. So I think maybe a, a good background is how we launch the network in general. So the way the network kind of was bootstrapped is through an incentivized testnet, which is pretty simple. But the way it was done is we've taken kind of the participants who have showcased that they were able to run near network uh, from the incentivized testnet, and we kind of booted up them to be the validators of mainnet while disabled all of the transfers for the token, except delegation. And so... And then kind of the token was distributed to initial uh, group. And so this group needed to delegate to the validators. And then together with validators, they needed to decide to vote and to enable transfers. In a way, they decided to launch the network. And so that was like a pretty big role that validators actually played. They were pretty much deciding when to launch the network and if the network is ready for that. Because they actually had the, you know, the, the feel on the metal uh, if everything's working. And then uh, last year, 2022, we had uh, the launch of what we call chunk-only producers. So this is uh, kind of in, in the spirit I was saying, the more shards we have, the more validators we have. So we call them chunk-only producers because they produce a chunk of the block. And so that was, uh, again, launched last year in September with uh, now allowing to have a lot more validators kind of proportional to the number of shards. So... Like from our perspective, validators play, you know, a governance role, kind of, a lot of it is more of backstop governance, like, right, is, you know, if there's any kind of large decisions that nobody else can make, like, for example, launching the network, obviously they need to work with their delegators kind of and, and represent that uh, user base. Then they play the role around, you know, running the node, all, all of the kind of uh, details there. Security is big thing. So if there's any security, uh, concerns, right? The validators is one who are kind of actively reacting to that and making sure that everything's secure. 
And finally, pretty much working with us to test with the protocol team to test everything as we launching new releases. And we actually had 40 something upgrades since lo- since mainnet. Like the idea is to have pr- kind of continuously evolving protocol that is able to adapt to the needs of users. And so because of that it's extremely important to have kind of validators testing and participating, not just like at mainnet, but also during the life cycle of the, of the testing of the protocol upgrades. Which items on your roadmap would you say will have the biggest impact on stakers in terms of staking opportunities and yeah, impact on reward rates, stakers, validators? So there's a chunk of work where the team wants to run 100 charts and this may get like, you know, we may not run it this year directly, but that's, that is the goal just to get like the network to provide the scale, right? And that, that. This is probably not needed for mainnet, right? There's no demand for that, but that's a really interesting uh, kind of activity to participate. But obviously the kind of governance right now can decide to increase the number of shards over time. And that is kind of, that changes the parameters of the, how many validators are on the network, which, you know, more validators means either more stake or lower like state requirement, but there needs to be more machines either way, right? For, to run more shards. And so that probably is the biggest, there is, there's a lot of discussion around like storage staking. How can we improve the design there? I don't think it changes that much for, for validators, but it, it is an, an kind of economic parameter, right? That kind of protocol team and community is trying to figure out how to improve. Is there a bottleneck there right now around uh, storage staking? It's not a bottleneck. It's more of, I would say it got a little bit expensive for some use cases. And so. Uh, given we're trying to make it, you know, simple and, and straightforward to use. And then there is a little bit of a kind of conceptually like uh, programming for it is a little bit more complex than we want. And like, how do we simplify that? So maybe we'll we'll keep that, but then add another approach of paying through a gas fee as well. So like, so there's like a few discussions happening on that. And so... You know, it's good to keep keep that in track for for validators and stake as these things evolve. Uh, and finally, the the kind of the final stage where the network becomes automatically adjustable to n- number of shards based on demand, right? So we call it dynamic sharding. Mm-hmm. And so that's where kind of the more usage comes to network, the more shards will be needed, and so it automatically like expands the capacity and kind of attracts more validators into the network. As ecosystem grows, that's where there will be interesting uh, things happening around like how uh, all of this will be balanced out. Hmm. In terms of staking rewards, uh, it's like two major uh, dynamics there. As as usage goes up, uh, staking rewards will increase. And as the staking ratio increases, it's like a negative effect, staking will decrease. What I was thinking, I mean, staking was an absolute no-brainer when we had low interest rates uh, for comparable, not even comparable uh, investments. There was just no yield to be found anywhere in the market. But now we are gradually returning back to a higher interest yield, uh, interest rate environment. And I'm asking myself the question, in the end, staking is just paying for the infrastructure of blockchain, but the blockchain itself needs to make enough revenue to pay out higher reward rates than treasury bills, for example, for US government. Do you see that this could be a problem in the future or would you say uh, it will be, there will be enough revenue potential to to have uh, staking reward rates always above, let's say, 
Yeah. Well, I, I think it's not very correct to compare a percent in the token compared to percent in dollars, right? Just because you, we're talking about volatile assets that uh, have their own supply demand uh, mechanics, right? So like if we start talking about like a macro economy of, of one of these layer ones, right? There's other things that are in effect, right? And that's where it's hard to start it's hard to just isolate and say, hey, transaction fees are revenue because they're not. And like different networks actually do it differently, right? Some of them are actually, it, it, they're not revenue because you give them to validators. And so it's not captured by anyone. So in our case, we're burning it. So you can consider it kind of revenue. But for example, storage staking being staked is also revenue. But also, you know, the when we talk about, you know, near that's been locked in Uniswap, like, or other AMMs or DEXs or or other exchanges, right? Well, that's also syncs for the for the token, which means that token is not able to participate in staking. And so at the same time, like a lot of people who are validating staking, they kind of taking the long position on the token anyway, right? It's not mm-hmm. not that they like compare this with with buying a T bill uh and uh and holding it. So I, I do think and by the way you can you know, stake, take a liquid staking token, borrow against the dollars, buy a T-bill and get both, right? So like, I think the complexity of this is way beyond this. Can you discuss the process for becoming a validator on the near network and what qualifications are needed? So, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. If you go to near-nodes.io, this is where there's all the, all the instructions. You need a pretty normal computer to run it. So it's like a eight core CPU with, you know, 16 to 24 gigs of RAM. Importantly, you need an SSD. So like 500 to a terabyte SSD. And then with that, you can uh, run a validator node. And, um, you know, it depends on how you set up all this, you set your settings, like monitoring all the stuff on top of that. And, and there's some tutorials and instructions how to do these things. And then to become an active validator, right now you need twenty thousand near uh, to as like a threshold, and you can gain that with um, uh, with delegations. And so one of the unique thing also for near is that all of the validators actually run through a smart contract delegation. So delegation is implemented through smart contracts, and validators are able if they want to run different smart contracts, which have different logic, including they can have their own liquid staking or they can have, you know, tax optimization routine that doesn't return, like that holds tokens for a year, for example, for long-term gains and stuff like this. And so, so you deploy that contract, you gain your delegation, and then you become an active validator after 20,000 year threshold. And let's say in addition to the normal staking mods that are being paid out to validators, of course, uh, how does NIR incentivize the validators to provide high quality services and maintain the security or let's put it, push it a little bit further to maintain best practices? What, how can we envision this coordination is working? I, so there are a few sides. I think one is uh, incentivized test nets that we've been running that has been like a lot of challenges has been around kind of setting up the monitoring and setting up some of the like what what we think is best practices and and we actually so one of the things we kind of as a as an ecosystem trying to do is decentralize more and so last stake wars were not actually run by pagoda that kind of 
company that is the main contributor to the protocol. But instead, it was run by liquid staking providers. And so liquid staking providers now are becoming the driver of best practices and kind of aim, like finding good quality and incentivizing it by delegating to it. So for those maybe not familiar liquid staking providers where you, you put your near and then they delegate to different validators and you get in turn a liquid staking token that you can do like do something in DeFi. And so because of this, they actually are the ones who are monitoring all of those validators because they are delegating to them. And if, if validators are kind of not, have the not right setup or have the offline time, right, they're losing the reward. And so we actually push in a way like through the economy, push the responsibility for figuring out how this should work to liquid staking providers, and they've run the past stake wars, our incentivized testnet. Uh, they were writing challenges, they were kind of uh, scoring folks, and, and now they're actually rolling out delegations to those folks to bring them on board on mainnet. And so I would say, yeah, like a, a lot of it is actually, how do we figure out how the ecosystem itself can start monitoring and enforcing it? Because there's a lot of, I would say, like people just stake and don't look much. And so we want these active participants who are kind of active members of community who are, who are doing this because they also have economic incentive to do that. Mm -hmm. So the, the envisioned role of the validator in the future is much more moving to a really active participant in governance, best practices in staking here. Well, I wouldn't say like, I call it the governance backstop because the, we are like near ecosystem is trying to build a governance framework that, that is independent, although validators can obviously participate and should participate. But I think validator governance is mostly on the technical side, right? It's like really when, you know, like rolling out a tier one network that, you know, interconnects nodes for a faster performance. That's like a valid question, right? Maybe <laughs> adjusting uh, parameters or something or, or like launching meta transactions, you know, that's more application level. So we're trying to create work groups for each topic. So there's a protocol work group, there's validator work group, there's like contract work group. Uh, standards and, and all those things which are designed to work in that uh, kind of for that specific topic and they have representative of projects and protocol developers and validators for validator group and then they can serve a surface and decide on problems within their subspace and then that all kind of we call it developer governance we try to build an umbrella around that so we, we're trying to make governance kind of more specialized in a way because like you know, trying to get somebody to decide on everything is, you know, it's hard and, and like you, people don't have context on, on most of the things, but then the things that, you know, they care about and they have the context, that's where we're trying to engage as many people as possible. Perfect. So, uh, all right, closing it off here, what's the best way to follow you and Near Protocol, Ilya? Well, Near Protocol is at Near Protocol on uh, Twitter. Uh, me is at uh, Dragon. Uh, or just type in Ilya, yeah, it's here. And so uh, near.org is, yeah, you, you can start a journey through this. And uh, for the ones who want to run nodes, near-nodes.io. Perfect. Thank you, Ilya, for being so generous with your time. We have been speaking with Ilya Polosukin, the co-founder of Near Protocol. If you enjoyed this conversation, subscribe to our YouTube channel for more episodes from the forefront of staking. Follow me on Twitter, that's at Marian underscore Walter underscore and our team at Staking Rewards. You've been listening to the Staking Rewards podcast for Ilya and the audience. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you.